Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how likes and shares push people to express moral outrage, the first animal we've found whose memory stays sharp in old age, and how you probably already know what certain nonsense words are shaped like. Let's satisfy some curiosity. If it feels like social media has made everyone polarized and angry, you're not imagining it. And a new study illustrates just how social media platforms actually lead to more moral outrage. This might not come as a surprise. Plenty of people have suspected that the way social media platforms are built encourages the spread of extreme viewpoints. The Yale University researchers behind this study suspected that this is because social media does two things. First, it rewards us for our outrage. When people get up on their social media soapbox, they get likes and comments and shares from people who agree. And second, it enforces social norms. If the people you follow are expressing outrage, you're likely to go with the flow and express outrage too. For their part, Facebook and Twitter have claimed their platforms are neutral and that these conversations would happen offline too. But this new study provides hard evidence that discredits that claim. The team taught a computer to analyze 12.7 million tweets from more than 7,000 Twitter users. Roughly half the data was collected from people who had tweeted about Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings in October 2018, and the other half was collected from people who had tweeted about a 2017 viral video of a doctor being forcibly removed from a flight after refusing to give up his seat for crew. Scientists had three criteria for what qualified as moral outrage. First, the tweet had to respond to an event that violated the author's morals. Second, it expressed anger or disgust. And third, it placed blame or called for punishment. The data showed that the more likes and retweets a person got, the more outraged they grew in later posts. This was especially true for the more moderate group, which shows how easily social media radicalizes people. Next, the team had participants choose among pre-provided tweets to post to a fake social media site in order to get the most possible likes. In one scenario, the unknowing participants got more likes from outrage, and in another, they got more likes from following the crowd. And in both scenarios, people were more likely to choose tweets with greater outrage. Now, the good news is that the tech giants have started to reckon with their role in creating so much anger online, and how they can help fix it. Both Instagram and Twitter have started using AI to make users reconsider posting something offensive or mean. There's still a long way to go toward making our virtual world more virtuous, but it's a start. As we get older, we tend to become forgetful. That's true for all animals, with one big exception. Cuttlefish. According to recent research, their memory stays sharp as a tack even into old age. So let me back up and talk about how memory works. We humans are constantly remembering and forgetting scenes from our lives, and those memories often contain useful information. 
This ability to remember events that occurred at specific times and places is called episodic memory. And these memories are stored in a brain structure called the hippocampus. This structure can deteriorate with age, and it takes episodic memories with it as it goes. But cuttlefish don't have a hippocampus. They store their episodic memories in a region specific to cuttlefish brains called the vertical lobe. And instead of declining steadily, the vertical lobe stays intact until the last few days of a cuttlefish's life. That suggests that cuttlefish would not become forgetful with age. But to really know for sure, you'd have to give them a memory test. So, researchers at the University of Cambridge, the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute, and the University of Caen tested the memories of 24 cuttlefish. Half of those cuttlefish were about 10 to 12 months old, which is not quite to adulthood for this species. The others were 22 to 24 months old, which is roughly equivalent to a human in their 90s, according to the researchers. First, the team offered the cuttlefish one of their favorite foods, live grass shrimp, at one location in the aquarium, and a less desirable food, prawn meat, at another location. One hour later, a morsel of prawn arrived at its original location. And three hours after that, prawn meat and grass shrimp arrived again at their original respective locations. Here's the trick. If a cuttlefish showed up at the prawn area one hour after the first meal, they'd get prawn but miss out on shrimp. If they waited and showed up in the shrimp area three hours later, they'd get both prawn and shrimp. That waiting period would demonstrate that they had formed episodic memories of which meal they had eaten and which one they preferred. In the experiment, the old cuttlefish were just as good or better as the young cuttlefish at learning when their favorite foods would appear throughout the day. That suggests that, despite their age, old cuttlefish can form and recall episodic memories with the best of them. And that's a fundamental difference between the brains of cuttlefish and mammals. Who said you couldn't teach an old cuttlefish new tricks? It wasn't me. It wasn't you, Cody. You've never said that. Thank you. Neither of you, to my knowledge. Thank you. Glad we cleared that up. Do sounds have shapes? Well, let's put that question to the test. Imagine two shapes. One is round and blobby, and the other one is sharp and pointy. Now tell me, which one is the booba, and which one is the kiki? If you're like most people, you'd call the blobby shape the booba, and the pointy shape the kiki even though those are nonsense words and you had no idea which was which ahead of time. So why does this happen? Well, this surprising phenomenon is called, understandably, the Buba Kiki effect. It was first discovered in 1929 by the German-American psychologist Wolfgang Kuhler of the Kuhler effect, which we've discussed, although he didn't use those words in his experiments. But it didn't matter. The majority of his participants still knew which shape was a baluba and a tequete, or a maluma and a tequete in later studies. Well, nearly 100 years later, famed neuroscientist V.S. Ramachandran and Edward Hubbard repeated the experiment with the shortened nonsense words booba and kiki, except this time they went cross-cultural. They performed the same study on American college students and Tamil speakers in India. Regardless of the culture or language, 95% of participants did the same thing. 
Another study found that toddlers make the same associations, and that's even before they can talk. So what's going on? Well, the Bubakiki effect is an illustration of sound symbolism. That's the idea that certain sounds have certain primal meanings. Booba has a round kind of sound. It's one that makes you round your lips and create a big round space inside your mouth. And Kiki has a sharper sound. To say the word, you have to bring your teeth together and place your tongue way up high near the roof of your mouth. So it makes some sense that we'd associate a round sound with a round shape and a sharp sound with a sharp shape. According to V.S. Ramachandran, this is all a form of synesthesia, where one sense, like sound, stimulates other senses, like sight. He says that synesthesia may be an essential part of the human experience, one that our early ancestors naturally perceived as they matched objects to the sounds they resembled in order to create their first words. Later on, language got more complicated, and a lot of that symbolism got lost but it's still there. And if you don't believe me, just ask someone which shape is a booba and which is a kiki. All right, well, let's recap what we learned today. Starting with the fact that social media platforms lead people to express more moral outrage. That's because people who express outrage online get positive reinforcement from followers and they enforce norms that make others do the same thing. Yes, younger listeners may not know this, but likes, shares, even comments didn't used to be a universal feature of the internet. Yeah. And in fact, I was listening to a podcast where the host interviewed one of the guys that was featured in The Social Dilemma, that special that came out earlier this year about the problem with social media. And that guest said social media in and of itself really was pretty benign and it was fine when it was first introduced. And where we saw this turning point with it becoming horrific was when likes and shares were introduced specifically because of all the reasons that we mentioned. So, yeah, it uh, really makes you rethink the way that our Internet structure is built. Yeah. We also learned that cuttlefish don't seem to lose their memories as they age, unlike mammals. When scientists tested the episodic memories of young and old cuttlefish, the old ones were just as good or better at recalling specific events as the young'uns. And that demonstrates a big difference between their brains and ours. It also demonstrates a really sad fact about some really smart animals. And that is that cephalopods, as smart as they are, they are wicked smart. And they only live like two, three years tops. It's so sad. <laughs> That's probably why they haven't taken over the world is because they just don't live long enough to like create big cities and languages and culture and art. Maybe. I mean, who am I to say they don't have culture? But <laughs> it's just very sad that they don't live very long. Is it? It is. I mean, you know, like for my personal well-being as a human here on Earth, probably not. Right. But for their well-being, I, I wish they lived longer. Well, that's fair. And we learned that you probably know which shape is a booba and which is a kiki because of sound symbolism. That's the idea that certain sounds have certain primal meanings. And in experiments, more than 90% of people across cultures and languages all identified the same shapes as boobas and kikis. So it's pretty universal. This is one of my favorite little psychological phenomena. Now I kind of wish we didn't have our pictures on the Curiosity Daily logo, because I want to know if listeners think that we're more of a booba or a kiki. 
I think I'm probably the Kiki. I don't know. Probably just like high voice and low voice. That's automatically high voice is, is Kiki. Low voice is Booba. Really? I would think I'm the Kiki, but maybe because my name is Cody and that's two stop sounds and it's kind of generally similar. I don't know. But then you're goth, which is round. <laughs> <laughs> this got really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Today's writers were Steffi Drucker, Cameron Duke, and Joni Folletto. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer. Our producer and audio editor is Cody Goff. Don't forget to like this podcast episode. Oh, wait, you can't, because that's not a thing podcast apps let you do. And you know what? I'm fine with that. So join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes that we will present to you, irrespective of the likes and shares we may be able to garner from it. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.